0: You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to the E2C Network. Thank you for tuning in, whether you are watching slash listening on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast app. We appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about another topic within the whole of the Auburn experience. Of course, we're always heavy on the sports here because if it's orange and blue, It is what we do, and I'm excited for this discussion today because it's not often that I get to talk to current players in terms of what's going on in their lives. You know, Usually we talk to them after the fact. It's not often that I get an opportunity to talk to an Auburn baseball player, and even though baseball is done, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still kind of reminiscing and thinking about this incredible season that we just went through as fans – But now we want to find out what it was like for one of the players there. So today, as my guest here on the E2C Network, I'm glad to introduce Mr. Hayden Mullins, one of your starting pitchers. Hayden, welcome. Thank you for
1: having me. Thank
0: you. I appreciate you spending the time that you can with us today. Uh, It is a pleasure to talk to you as we've talked and gotten to know each other a little bit, just, you know, off the camera and before we started recording. Uh, I I, got to tell you, I've said this to you personally, but just publicly here. For you personally, what you meant to the baseball team for us as fans, but even more so just carrying it over to the team. You guys just gave us one heck of a ride uh this season. It was so much fun for me as a Auburn fan who loves all things Auburn, but needed to kind of reignite his, you know, I guess what I'm talking fervor for Auburn baseball. <laughs> you guys have done that for me and I can't I'm I'm sad like we can't talk about it anymore in in terms of that that it's still going on so I just wanted to say thank you for that you guys gave us an incredible run
1: oh yeah I appreciate it I mean it was so much fun with all the guys and being out there every day just working our butts off to get out there and beat the teams that you saw in the (laughs) college world series and more but yeah I mean it was it was a lot of fun
0: It was. It was fun for us, and I can't imagine how much fun and, you know, tough times as well because, you know, seasons are ups and downs. Not everybody is, you know, dominant in things, so there's high moments, there's low moments, but you guys had some pretty high moments this season. Speaking of, I think this is a great way to start our conversation because, again, from the fan perspective, we look at Omaha or we attend Omaha and we see one side of it. Not even specifically, I want to talk about, at least yet, what you guys accomplished in Omaha, but just... Tell us, as fans, what is it like for you as a player experiencing Omaha, the pinnacle of college baseball? What is that like?
1: I mean, in one word, it's breathtaking. (laughs) I mean, you walk in there whenever you're going into the opening ceremonies, and I mean, it's just full. You got however many thousands of people there just watching you. You got your phone out taking videos and stuff. I mean, it's just a cathedral. I mean, it's the stadium and everything else. It's crowded the places are packed all around the park you got the fan fest and I mean we're just there to play baseball we're not doing anything else and I mean just walking over there every day or riding the bus or whatever it is and you're around the other teams and just hanging out kind of in downtown Omaha which I did not know was such a big city Mm -hmm. I thought that it was just going to be the field and then nothing around it but I mean there's tons of stuff to do around there and we're just kind of hanging out being us and people are coming up to us saying congratulations and you got fans and everybody just cheering you on or booing you or whatever it is. (laughs) I on know where they're from, Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just, we're hanging. I mean, it's, it's a blast. Like you go down in the bullpen and you're just hanging out, just, you know, kind of talking baseball and talking shop and it's the highest level of college baseball that there is. And it really shows that everybody goes there every year and, their teams on and all that. And I mean, it's, it's
0: incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I I can imagine uh, the amount of pictures that and videos you all were taking as much as fans were, you know, I can imagine guys being in locker rooms walking through the cathedral as you called it. uh, It's It's incredible. Yeah. I mean,
1: we're, we're walking through the um, locker room and I mean, that thing never ended. We walk in, there's college world series seats all up and down the left and right side. And then you walk back there, there's huge kitchen, nutrition room. I mean, we got media rooms and all this stuff. And I mean, it's pretty much like a labyrinth of tunnels under the stadium that a lot of people don't see that just go to visit and watch. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy, crazy experience
0: is you ever just wonder why Omaha, right? Like why in the middle of the United States did we decide, hey, we're plopping this right here. I know there's probably a story and, and and a reason for everything, right? But it just, it makes you wonder sometimes when you see the pinnacle of other sports happening in Atlanta, New York, L.A., Seattle, you know, just the big traditional, Dallas, those big traditional cities. Then you got Omaha for baseball. <laughs> and, and And as much as you think about it, you're like, why would they send them there? But I kind of love it because like you said, people don't know how big Omaha actually is and how much this town and the city gets behind it. Um, is that ever just kind of struck you as just kind of shocking that we're going to Omaha, like the city, not the, 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 the pinnacle of <laughs> baseball, but the city. I mean, yeah. Like
1: ever since I started watching college baseball, I had always wondered like, why is it there? Like there's so many other parks and places and big baseball cities around the country And now finally getting to go, both this is my first time as a player and as a fan myself. And I understand completely the atmosphere that they provide is next to none. I mean, it is amazing. And I mean, you got even the Twitter thing. I'm sure everyone saw it. The College World Series Jello Shot Challenge, Rocco's or whatever it is. I mean, it's bringing so much money into just the businesses around it and even just the park itself. So, I mean, it's amazing.
0: I saw a lot of antics uh, all the way around. <laughs> Mostly good. I mean, I didn't really see anything too out of, out of hand. It's not new Orleans after all, you know, you see some crazy <laughs> things coming out of there, uh, but I love a quote unquote small town that recognizes their small townness. If that's what, if, I, if that makes sense, kind of like Auburn, but embraces it. And really says, we're going to show you what Omaha is all about and why they keep coming back here for this pinnacle of college baseball. I was unfortunately not able to go this year as much as I tried to make it happen. And I wish I had been there uh, to obviously cheer you guys on in person, but uh, to experience from a fan's perspective what that was like. So that's cool. I appreciate you sharing that with us. What I'd like to do, though, um, and anything you'd like to share about that, we can come back to as well. But let's talk about the season a little bit, especially from your perspective, but however you'd like to draw that out across the rest of the team. You're a starting pitcher for Auburn. Uh, you, know, you, you know your assignment. You know what to expect for yourself. When we talk about what to expect for the team, there was a lot of people that doubted Auburn. Put you at the bottom of the SEC West, I believe, in some publications. Nobody expected much out of Auburn. So when you, as a player, look at that, and you are obviously having a better understanding of what the makeup of the team, what the feeling in the locker room is. How do you process that? Like, do you look at that and be like, well, we're just going to, it's as simple as we're going to prove them wrong. Or is it something like, are we really that bad? How do, how do you work through that?
1: Oh, it's definitely uh we're going to prove them wrong. I mean, that was one of the first talks we had in the fall as a full team. The first time we met, Butch sat us down and he told us y'all are picked last to finish in the SEC. Like, No one is counting on you. No one expects anything from you. You have nothing to lose. I mean, this is the fight of our lives. Like, we're coming in and we're trying to do whatever we can to just find ways to win. And that's what we did. I mean, the amount of fight in this team versus any other team that I've been on was amazing. Like, it's just crazy. Because, I mean, it all started in the fall. Like, you say how we had this big ride this spring and so many ups and downs. But, I mean, it all is manufactured in the fall when – we build that fight, that toughness, that synergy, that team synergy, Mm -hmm. all just 6 a.m.s, three, four days a week. I mean, we're running, we're throwing up, we're (laughs) lifting weights, we're doing all this stuff. And, I mean, at that point, you don't really see where it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, this Omaha team was built this fall. I mean, we're doing a mile run, time mile run if you're a pitcher. Every Wednesday, if you don't make your time, got to run it Thursday morning. I mean, it's just it, – it was a lot, and we were all going through it together, which was huge for us because I feel like last year with COVID and everything, we weren't able to actually be as close-knit of a team as we were this year. So, I mean, opening things back up and getting through all that, I think was uh, really helpful to us, especially bringing all the new guys in, getting to meet them, getting to hang around them on and off the field. And, I mean, yeah, in the, in the fall, we gave our hitters the most at-bats out of anybody in the country, and we gave our pitchers opportunities to pitch to guys more than anybody else in the country. So I mean, it's it's all built in the fall and it pays off in the spring. But I mean, what we went through together in that fight, like we're all gonna remember it for the rest of our lives.
0: I love what you said about you guys giving each other more at bats or more pitches because I see the evidence of that personally. I, I'm no expert in baseball. I you know, I follow it obviously as close as any Auburn fan can and I'm a Braves fan, so I follow that as closely as I can as well. But I think we forget that about the it, intentionality that you guys take about certain areas and then seeing that come to fruition throughout the season, because a lot of the conversations I was having here on our YouTube channel, especially during our live streams, we do after some of y'all series is the bats are just popping off and it's not just sunny to Of course, we're mm-hmm. talking about sunny to but it's every it's up and down the line. And then, as the season goes along, and even before that, too, but even more as we got towards later in the season, you're starting to see not just one pitcher, two pitchers, three pitchers. We're talking starters. We're talking bullpen rise to the occasion, and it's like it all coalesces into this opportunity that you guys have presented, have been presented but also took advantage of yourselves in Omaha. So I love that you shared how much you guys worked with each other, gave more at-bats and more pitches. That's That's an awesome perspective. I want to talk about a little bit about your personal experience, Dan. Let's talk about half the season. We know kind of where we're heading with this. You unfortunately had something happen to you in one of the series, which we'll address in a minute. But let's talk about that space between that, your time pitching that first half of the season, we'll call it. What sticks out to you? Anything that you'd like to share about that, uh, a game or anything like that?
1: Uh, I mean, I started in the bullpen. When we sent off to Globe Life, I was not set to start um came out of the bullpen that first game didn't pitch really well I had a couple rough weeks prior but uh just command of the ball was not what I wanted it to be and so I started out of the pen didn't do well in globe life um we traveled back and I think I pitched well the next two weeks two and a half weeks and then blow a save against Yale and just a bunch of other things. And, like, coming out of the pen, I was just not doing my job very well. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you a chance to start some games. Um, how about Rhode Island this Sunday? And that was actually my first start here as an Auburn Tiger um, was that Sunday game against Rhode Island. And I think I only went three innings, hadn't been extended much. And pitched well. Still, pitch count was up. Command wasn't there. And they're like, okay, you did your job. Uh, we'll see how this plays out. Maybe start a midweek in a couple of weeks um forward to the week before the Ole Miss series we were supposed to play Kennesaw State that Tuesday Mm -hmm. and I was slated to start and it gets rained out and I'm like okay well what am I going to do now should I throw a bullpen extended bullpen kind of simulated start and they're like uh no I think we're going to start you Friday and uh (laughs) got the ball Friday Ole Miss and I mean it was a quick turnaround crazy coincidence that the spot was open because we went through so many different pitchers and our whole thing as a staff this year was passing the baton. So Mm -hmm. anybody could have stepped into any role and done just as good of a job, which they did. I mean, you saw Jordan Armstrong early, you saw Tommy Sheehan early and late. You saw Mason Barnett who stepped up. I guess it was right after I went down, he stepped into that role and just picked up right where I left off. So, I mean, it's, it was crazy that we had a spot open and, I got that start first SEC start, first SEC win against now the national champion. <laughs> um, <laughs> who was number one in the country at the time. But I mean it was it was a wild turn of events and I'm super grateful for it. But anybody could have stepped into that role and our whole staff was amazing this year. I mean, guys stepped up when they too and it's because they had been in that situation prior, they had pitched in Tough game. they pitched in tough spots, situations. We did a lot of situational inter-squads. And, I mean, we were ready for the big moments, and we took advantage of that.
0: I got to tell you, you know, I I forget that you did come out of the bullpen to start off with, and then you were starting on, on the Sunday, and you switched to Friday. To me, just outside looking in, That's a pressure cooker of a situation. You go from being the guy that gets the series off to a good or a bad new. In essence, obviously, it's a team sport. There's more that plays into that, but you're the Mm -hmm. pitcher. How much pressure did you feel switching over to Friday? Was it a lot, or did it just kind of feel natural? Did you kind of roll with it?
1: So the first Friday um, was actually the second game of the series because it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Mason got us started that week. We lost the Thursday game. And then I was supposed to start that Friday. I was like, Oh, just do well enough to keep us in the ball game. Like this lineup was electric. They had a great year. And I mean, they produced a ton of runs. So I just wanted to keep us in the ball game. That's the job as a starting pitcher. And it went very well. I was very excited about it and it was a lot to learn from, but I mean, it's once you're thrust into a role like that, I mean, it's kind of sink or swim at that point. It's like you're either going to do it or you're not. There's, there's no in-between where it's like, oh, you can kind of start, kind of not. Like, if they're going to trust you to start, you just have to do it. Like, there, there isn't trying as either succeeding or not. And that was a huge thing for me. I was like, I've done this my whole life. I'm just going to go out there, do what I know how to do, and pitch my game. And uh, it worked out. Um, yeah. And then every other Friday night after that, I was starting until I got hurt. And it's it's a lot of pressure just knowing that you're getting the other team's best too. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That's something that people don't kind of take into perspective is like Joseph went eight and nine innings back-to-back weekends. And you're like, that's great. Like he just threw 17 innings in the span of two weeks. And I had only thrown nine. And it's I'm going out there with a fresh scouting report and you don't really know what you're going into, like they could have had a ton of adjustments the week before to now and just that whole week of practice, they're thinking, this is the guy we're going to be. This is the guy we're focused on. Yeah. So you kind of, I mean, you kind of get nervous. It's like, okay, they scouted me. They know what I've got. So is my stuff going to be theirs. And you have yeah. to believe that you're better than the guy in the box. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure, especially when you know the arm that you're going to be facing could possibly be first, second rounders. And I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, and I got to say, you know, especially early on in that conference play where you put us in position to win the series when people, again, weren't expecting anything from Auburn. They were expecting them to be at the bottom of the SEC West, at at the very least, if not one of the bottom in the SEC. And time and time again, you especially step up in game one and put us into position to be able to, to potentially win the series regardless if that's in game two or that's in game three. And it was it was a joy to watch you in this first half, if you want to call it that, uh, of the season where you were uh, starting. And I got to say, I watched, I think, one or two games of yours, and I, I noticed that about you. You talked about the pressure cooker of a situation you can be, and you know, I just got to have confidence with myself. I c- I could see that out there on the mound where you were. You know, even if you had maybe a rough start, not going to call it a rough start, just a not as great start in the first inning, it would quickly kind of get back under control. So I don't know if you felt like it, but you seemed like a natural in the Friday spot. And I hope that continues for you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I also had the best bullpen, two best bullpen guys behind me. I mean, I had Skipper and uh, Berkey coming in and most Fridays. And I think there was only one game, I think I have this right, one game where me, Carson Skipper and Blake Burkhalter through where we lost and mm-hmm. that Friday at Mississippi state. And I'll put that on one on myself. Cause that was probably my worst start, but every other outing, I mean, the amount of jams that Carson Skipper got me out of, I have thanked him so many times that, I mean, Vandy start, I loaded the bases with walks or hits or whatever it was. He comes in, gets one pitch, two outs out of the inning. LSU comes in first and second. One pitch, two outs out of the inning. I mean, it, he did his job amazing. And I mean, he he kind of stepped up for us because we didn't really have that piece last year where it was like everyone was complaining about the bullpen and stuff like that. So, I mean, him and Blake both, I mean, matured a ton over the offseason and stepped into roles that I don't think anyone else could have done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, obviously it was a team effort, but uh, it had to start somewhere. And I was very pleased that on Fridays, a lot of the time, it started with you. And however (laughs) it ended, with whoever it ended, and in between with batters and fielders and stuff like that, that first half of the season, that was incredible to watch. On the other side, we're going to talk about the second half of the season. Obviously, what happened with Hayden and his injury, his perspectives now sitting essentially from the dugout and watching and helping his team in any way he can then on the other side of the break. Auburn family, let me level with you for a minute. When's the last time you came to the most loveliest village on the plains? Has it been too long? Well, let's fix that. And I've got a way for you to do that. And that's by checking out my friends at All Things Auburn's. We all love being there, whether it's for sports, whether it's for graduations, or any celebration that you can come up with within the whole of the Auburn experience. So let me help getting you there by connecting you with my friends at All Things. Auburn. Operating out of the Auburn Game Day Centers, their condos are some of the best places that I've found personally that you can stay to have a great overall experience. Not just in their amenities and their rooms, but their location to some of the most important venues that you come to see when you're in Auburn, Alabama. Obviously the sporting events, they're less than a half mile away. Downtown Auburn, under 10 minute walk whether you're looking for a short-term weekend getaway or a longer term stay they can help you get set up not just for a place to lay your head down at night but to have a whole and complete auburn experience visit allthingsauburn.net to get your next stay on the plane started in the right way that's allthingsauburn.net connecting accommodating and guiding you to the ultimate auburn experience Still talking with Hayden Mullins about the 2022 Auburn baseball season. And we've had fun discussing that first half and all the great work that he did along with his teammates, putting themselves in position to be in the conversation in the SEC, but people are also starting to talk about them, about are they for real going to factor into the ultimate college baseball picture? We know the story now, obviously, but at that point, a lot of people were asking questions, maybe even you guys yourself, even though you obviously thought you guys had something special. I do want us to maybe start off with with addressing what happened. You guys go into uh, the Tennessee matchup. We're all looking forward to this two weeks. Tennessee, Arkansas, fans are hyped for it. I'm sure y'all are hyped for it. They're, you know, huge games, one and two at that time in all of college baseball. And you go out and start at Tennessee and I'm feeling super confident. I don't know about you. I, I am feeling confident. I'm like, we're gonna take this first game tonight. And you just unfortunately have an injury that happens and it you know, it's just what it is. Can you explain a little bit more about what happened there with whatever you're comfortable with sharing and you know what the decision process that happened that got you pulled?
1: Yeah, so I mean, going into it, Knoxville, Tennessee guy, born and raised. Grew up a Tennessee fan. So going into there was, I knew it was going to be the biggest weekend for me. I thought at the time, I mean, I was stoked about it. I had, I think, 12 people coming that I had to get tickets for and stuff like that, like friends, family. And so, yeah, I was very excited. Um, did my, my normal warm up, all that stuff. Arm wasn't 100%, I would say. Like, I mean, it felt fine, but like it just wasn't coming out as good as it usually does. Um, warm up, pregame bullpen, and then go out there for the first inning. And I throw my first couple of warm-up pitches. They were really short of the play, and I was like, dang, must have been like an optical illusion in the uh, bullpen or something like that because teams will do that. But uh, warm up, fine, throw the first inning, and that, that's when I probably built the most confidence I had was after that first inning – I don't remember if I went one, two, three, but I know no runs and I don't think I hit that first inning and I struck out one or two and I was feeling good. I was really confident. I was like, okay, I like where we're at. We're going to win this Friday game against the number one seeded Tennessee volunteers with me and everyone we have behind me. It's going to happen tonight. We're going to shut down this electric offense and go on to do something that no one else has done at this point in the season. And I go out there for the second inning, warm up pitches again, not solid, but like I kind of just had gotten over. I was like, okay, neither was the first inning. And then about halfway through the innings, I was kind of getting pieced up a little bit. Uh, People were hitting me around. Um, They lay down a bun. I throw it into Narnia right field. (laughs) 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 And a lot of people, On the team, will say, like, everything else looked different after that. I didn't think so, but, I mean, Velo just was not there. First inning, I was kind of 90 to 92, 93. Next inning, I was 89, 90, and after that, I was, like, 87 to 89. And I throw a pitch, like, two pitches later to – I don't remember who it was. And just kind of felt like something in my arm just, like, pulled and came back together and tightened real quick, and I was like, oh, call Tony out here. Let's get this looked at like probably another forearm injury. I've had my sh- fair share of those. Mm-hmm. And he comes out there and he's like, what are you, what are you feeling? And I go, it feels kind of the same as what I've had in the past. I think I might be able to pitch a couple more innings on it. Like just get through it. And I asked to throw a couple of up pitches because Butch came out there as well. And he's like, you want to throw a couple warm up pitches? Yeah. I want to stay in this game any way possible. right? Same thing when same thing when I got hit in the face. I did not want to come out of that <laughs> I ball I forgot game. about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can talk about that in a little bit. But I uh, throw my two warm-up pitches. I think it was like 86 and 87. And my last pitch I had actually thrown to a hitter was 84 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And that was all the juice I had in the tank. And they're like, yeah, I think we better get this looked at. We don't want it to get any worse if it is muscular. And we don't want something serious to turn into more serious. So I feel bad. I had already had a person come out and warm up on the field at one point this season. I didn't want to make someone do it again, but it's just kind of what needed to happen. So Tommy comes out and I didn't actually see any of his pitches thrown that the rest of that anybody got me out of it. Incredible. (laughs) I mean that's when you talk about big moment situations, he stepped in and made it happen. But I'm back in the training room type thing, and they're testing all the types of weird things that you can do with an elbow, every range of motion that you have to see if it's that surgery or that injury. And at this point, we did not think it was because I didn't feel any pain with most of the tests that they did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is like maybe it's it's probably muscular. Feeling good about it, we'll get it looked at when we get back in Auburn. So I'm down for the weekend. I'm upset. I can't help this team when there is, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, so I throw some ice on it, do some arm care. And the next two days I'm just kind of doing rehab stuff. Um, and then we get back to Auburn get the MRI. And I'd already told people like, yeah, I think it's just muscular. Uh, Should be good back in a couple, two, three, four weeks, depending on how long it takes to build up. And We get the results back and it was worse than what we had thought. So we Mm. compared it to an MRI I got last year when I did have the forearm injury. And the UCL looked incredible on that uh, MRI, no fluid leaking out anywhere because they put this little dye in your elbow Mm. to tell if anything's leaking out and compared that to this year. And it was two different pictures. Wow. I mean, it was. It wasn't fully torn, which was a good thing. That's why I didn't feel pop or anything like that. And that's why I didn't get any numbness or anything. But, I mean, it was fluid all over the place, a bunch of white on the screen. And you know how an MRI is. It's a black piece of paper with kind of all your muscles and ligaments running down the arm. And, yeah, so uh, fluid everywhere. Um, And they kind of talked to me and they're like, so here are your options. Uh, Can either elect to get surgery now and just recover and try to pitch next postseason maybe don't know how fast you'll be back stuff like that um but i would need the full surgery because it is it's in the distal part of the elbow it's not up here okay so i can't do the partial tommy john um so i'm like okay what's my other option And they go you can try to pitch on it it's partially torn only Worst thing you could do is fully tear it. You can't make it any worse than that, and you already need the full surgery. Okay. So those are your two options. either try to work back and pitch on it and maybe give the team maybe five to ten more innings out of the pen and help us get to Omaha and win Omaha, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I chose that option. Um, I didn't want to sit out. That's just – Kind of as a competitor, you don't, you never want to be sidelined while your other teammates that you suffered through everything with are going through it. Right. Um, so I did a throwing program, kind of built up through two bullpens. And after those two bullpens, which may have been my worst bullpens of the year, I was like, yeah, it's just, this isn't going to happen. I, I mean, I tried. I could say I, did, I tried, I did, but I, I'm not going to be able to help you yeah There's a lot better options out of the pen. So, well, I mean, I've, yeah. sorry i sorry. I say it's used. not
0: for a lack of trying, though. So, you know, yeah, don't, yeah. don't hold that against yourself. I, yeah. So,
1: that's the thing. Like, I can't say that I didn't try to come back and help you all get to where you, you did get. You know, I mean, right. it's I wanted to do my part and I felt like I had obligations to the team. That's, I'm going to help you all if I can. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's so surgery was kind of the way we went and we'll see how that goes but yeah that's that's about it for I mean that whole situation space of time yeah I think it was SEC tournament was right about when I decided like yeah this is just isn't gonna happen Mm -hmm.
0: yeah let me uh, it
1: it was a little bit later but
0: yeah for throughout the rest of the season I'll just talk from a from a fan's perspective here you know, we were all having side conversations about you. It's like, what's going on with Hayden? You know, why why, why is he hasn't announced the surgery or anything yet? Is, is he working his way back? And we had full faith that, you know, you were doing whatever you needed to do to see see what uh, you could get back in maybe or things like that. But we're on the outside kind of looking in, just wondering. I think all of us secretly hoped that you were going to surprise us in Omaha and maybe not be a starter, but come out of the bullpen and, uh, you know. <laughs>
1: I, think I would have been very happy about that. <laughs>
0: yeah. We were all taking like, you know, polls. It was like, all right, who's got this, who, who thinks this game is coming in <laughs> or Corvallis. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. And,
1: and that's the crazy thing is I actually did travel to SEC tournament. I was here for the regional in the right. dugout, which I'm very thankful for got to travel to Corvallis and got to go to Omaha as a player or not. I wasn't on the roster, but as support staff and, I am so grateful for those opportunities because not everyone can say that they did. Like they can't say that they got to sit in the dugout and do all that because you only have so many people that you can put in the dugout. And I'm really thankful that I was one of the people that actually made the cut to do it. Um, I mean, I was charting pitches and trying to get any type of tip on the other pitcher or base runners or any way I could help the coaches or team out. I was trying to do it but i mean yeah it was awesome that i got to stay in the dugout and have to thank coach thompson for that uh we didn't think i was going to be able to yeah and he talked to our staff and everyone else and kind of tried to see how many people he could get in there without having a jersey on stuff like that and me and one other, Ben Shore, got to be in the dugout for all those opportunities. Ben Shore caught every bullpen that you can think of this season. So, I mean, I well-deserved, and, I mean, we're just super thankful that we got to do all that.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that with us because that was one of the big things I would wanted to talk about. So you answered a lot of my questions there. What happens after the fact? You know, what do, what do you go through? What are you getting involved with? And so that's a great insight to, for you to share with us as fans about, you know, what can you do (laughs) and what can you get involved with when you don't think you're going to be able to pitch anymore. Um, So that, that's awesome. I'm glad that you got involved. And and listen, I know you're, you're a very, you know, respectful and humble guy. You're not going to take as much credit as you think you deserve, or as you don't think you deserve, or however you want to say that. Uh, But listen, you deserved every bit of that. You are a huge part of the reason this team even gets into the conversation at that Tennessee game. I mean, seriously, that you get Friday night started off for us against Ole Miss, against Texas A&M, all these SEC schools that everybody thought Auburn was just going to fall over, maybe, maybe get a game out of them each time. You were a big part of that. So I think you earned that spot in the dugout, and I know that there were others that probably felt the same way, and I'm sure their time will come, and I know that you're very grateful for that experience. Real quick, let's talk about the uh, baseball-to-the-face incident.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) Tell me about that.
1: This is a great story, and I love it. I actually have a video of it on my phone (laughs) because I went back on our like team film app, and I moved it all the way back slow mo screen record slow mo just right here. Just, but I mean, it is the craziest thing that has ever happened to me on a baseball field only because they had hit a line drive to me earlier in the game. And not many people know that is in the second inning. So this was the fourth inning. The second inning, I think it was their leadoff hitter hits a line drive about 100, however many miles an hour, right back at me. And I like kind of move out of the way, try to glove it. Hits me in the palm of the glove, takes my glove off with the ball, I have to run over there, pick it up, and throw it to first without a glove on. And after that, like, you kind of get spooked a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, well, at least that didn't hit me. It's out of the way. All right, let's finish this game. Two innings later, I'm pitching. I actually was pitching pretty well. Like, I would put it as one of my best starts on the year before I got hit in the face. Um, Throwing well, and – get two, I think it's O2, O2 on Brett Minnick, and I had met him last year here, actually, in this house that I'm staying in, um, met him, and we had just, like, talked and met and kind of just connected, and it was pretty cool, and leave an O2 fastball that was supposed to be about chin high, head high, and he's 6'4", 6'5". It's hard to get it up there. I'm not tall, and I leave it right over the middle, just over the outer half. And that thing came back at me. And I try to glut it like I did the last one, completely whiff and hits me like right here. I had, (laughs) so not in the jaw, I would say, because the jaw comes down to about right here, but not in the cheek because that's up here. So in that little space, almost like cartilage where your ear and jaw and cheek kind of connect. Yeah. And I hit the ground immediately. I don't remember a ton about what I was saying after I hit the ground. (laughs) Nate runs out there. Coach Thompson, Anthony, everyone comes out there. I'm looking up, and I'm just staring at him. I'm like, that one hurts. It was burning. I mean, I felt like I was bleeding out of my ear. Oh, man. But I thought I was fine. That's the weird part. Like, one of the first things Nate said I said was, should have been up. Fastball should have been up. And I was like, I'm not coming out of this game. I want to stay in this game. And they sit me up. I've got a just massive welt, lump mm. type thing, right? Like baseball sized right here, and it's sticking out. Jeez. And I didn't, so I hadn't felt it, but I felt okay. Like I, I was sitting up and I was like, I can stay in this game as long as I'm not concussed and they take my hand and run my fingers over it. I'm like, what is that? Yep. It felt like just something was protruding from my face. So they stand me up. It's like that A&M team doctor actually said he can stay if he wants. He's not concussed. He doesn't seem to be concussed. And Anthony goes, I think I think we need to get them out of here and get them looked at so nothing's, mm-hmm. uh, like, not aligned or off center. Like, that was their worry. like everything uh, was out over here. So, like, we don't want anything to be – like, I don't want to get messed up. Right. So, <laughs> I remember running off the field. Brett Minnick was actually standing halfway up the first baseline. I was like, hey, sorry about that. I hope you're, you do, you're doing well or whatever. I'm like, oh, you're good. You're good and kind of keep my head down because I didn't want anyone to see the big lump that I had on my face. I get into the dugout, I'm upset as all get out. I didn't throw my glove, but i just really upset. And they're saying they need to take me to the ER. Um, I sit down, on like the cooler or something, and just like put my hands on my head. I'm like, that was my best start of the year. I may not get another opportunity because at this point, I was still trying to earn my spot. Right. This was a week after Ole Miss. So I'm still trying to hold that starting spot. Right. And I'm like, I just don't want to come out because I don't want to lose my spot. I, I want to keep pitching on Friday nights in the SEC. And Coach Thompson comes over, hugs me, and he said, go get looked at. We take off to the emergency room. And on the way there, I asked Anthony, our head athletic trainer, I go, what what are my options here like what what could it be i'm, I'm a pretty curious guy i want to know and he goes well for one you could have your jaw wired shut for about three months and be eating out of a straw and he jokes around with us so i couldn't tell if he was being serious or not wow. he was being dead serious he's like yeah just realistically that could happen like Jeez. okay what's my other option he goes well you could have a fracture in your face have to get surgery. And I go, all right. We get to the uh, emergency room. They check it all out. I think they took a CT scan or something like that. And zero wrong. Wow. Nothing. Everything came back just 100% okay. No misalignment or anything like that. No fractures. No anything. No torn muscles or anything. It was just a like... Think about when you get hit and let's say, the arm or something like that, and it swells up real tight and all that. That's what happened just on the side of my head. All the muscle right here, my entire jaw muscle, took the entire blow is what they said. Wow. And I was super thankful. I mean, I could not have asked for any better to get hit in the face and not need surgery, medicine. Well, I mean, they gave me some painkillers, but not like serious stuff. And I could not have been luckier about that. I mean, I really was a miracle. Like I dodged a bullet on that one. And the next thing was, all right, let's take you back to the hotel. And I was like, well, what what inning is the game in? What's the score? Uh, I think it's 3-2. They just took the lead or something like that. And I'm like, okay, how'd they take the lead or whatever? And he's like, oh, doubling the gap, something like that. And he's like, okay, let's go back to the hotel. On the way to the hotel, we get to the light, and that's when Brooks Carlson had just hit his double or single or mm-hmm. rope up the middle or whatever it was to tie up the game or go ahead one. I think it was tied up. And I'm like, we're going back to the we're going back to the stadium. We're going back to the game. <laughs> Whips it, just turns straight to the stadium, get there in about the eighth. I think it was still tied game. I think we went into extras that game and ended up winning by one maybe but yeah we get in stadium run in I'm in shorts in my jersey I get in there and I'm in the back of the dugout I didn't want like the camera to show that whole yep. thing <laughs> so I'm in the back of the dugout just kind of like trying to hang hang back and Nani looks down at me and goes you good I go completely okay nothing's wrong they said I couldn't be uglier we're good and (laughs) we end up winning the game I run out there shaking everybody's hands I'm ecstatic and I mean it was just the wildest turn of events I have had on a baseball field ever and I mean just for nothing to be wrong I mean eating the next day could barely open my mouth but I mean it was very worth it it was
0: awesome I, I have a similar, not baseball, not as intense and hardcore of a story as yours. It was just a simple elbow to the face. But you always, in those moments, you feel like, I'm okay. I can keep going. But then you realize, realize how much different you oh, look with yeah, that imagine,
1: thing. Yeah, just all the displacement you have in your face once you get hit anywhere. Yeah. And you don't feel it until you're like. Yep. Oop.
0: And then people and, are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I got, a bu-
1: I caught a bunch of jokes and everything throughout the season, just bus rides and on the way home, just about in the face and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you took it in stride and obviously uh, got back to the game. Thanks for sharing that story with us. There's not a lack of effort, not a lack of luck, and not a lack of trying on your part to be a part of this team to contribute even after your injury. Uh, so no one's going to question that and your contributions that you had for us actually on the mound before that point. What I'd like to do is we kind of close out or get towards the end of our discussion. Talk to me a little bit about what's next for you, um, whether it's about the injury or just in general uh, preparing for another season, whatever that looks like for you, What whatever you would like to share with the fans.
1: Yeah, I got surgery coming up in a couple of weeks. Pretty excited about that. I mean, could have had it done a long time ago, but I wanted to try to pitch. So, I mean, we got that coming up soon. I'll be in a cast for maybe a week or two and then a brace for maybe three, four months. I don't really know how that goes and be rehabbing every day. And I think it's a 12 month return to the mound. So I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a, going to be a ride, but I'm, I'm excited to go through it. I mean, everybody and their brother knows in baseball injuries are going to happen. And TJ is just one of those things that does. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've had, best friends and teammates that unfortunately have had that happen and they have come up to me and said hey i know how you feel right now i'm sorry i'm like it's okay it's part of baseball and that's what i tell most people is like injuries are going to happen um you just got to take them in stride and not have any excuses for them you just got to think about what can you do next to get better absolutely and so a bunch of rehab and gonna try to return to the mound in about 12 months and see if I can go from there and be a little bit better than I was before.
0: So essentially you move into the role as a, as a coach pretty much is what it sounds like.
1: So yeah, that's my thing is like, I'm going to be around next year and I'm not going to be pitching and all that. So I'll be hanging around Huddy a lot. And I'll be around Nani who knows more about baseball than I ever will. But, and I'll be around Butch and Gabe and just everyone that knows the game. And I have meant to ask him. I haven't asked him yet, but like, I want to help them in any way possible and see if I can kind of learn the ropes because even if space doesn't work out, I want to stay around the game. And I think that would, that would be a huge opportunity for me is kind of just not an internship, but you're working under some of the best in the business. Absolutely. Huddy pitched for 17 years in the bigs. Coach Thompson has taken this team to Omaha twice in the last three Uh, tournaments I mean it's it's crazy like all the knowledge that we have in that coaching room and yeah so I'm gonna try to learn everything I can pick up as much as possible and see what I can do from there but yeah I mean I'm really excited about it even though I won't be pitching I mean be around the guys and this new team and just see how far we can take it
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I I can't think of a better role for you other than pitching uh, for us, because you seem like a guy that not only has the drive to uh, continue to make yourself better, but to make others better around you by your learning process, by just being there for the teammates through your experience. Uh, I think, obviously, we're going to be very sad to not see you actually out there, although we will not forget. (laughs) Yeah, well, actually out there on the mound, but we will not forget what you did to get us to this point. Because every player on that team did something, even if we didn't see that. When you have a team like this Auburn baseball in 2022 that does the unexpected to the level that it was unexpected, that's more than just a player. That's more than, obviously, we love Sonny. Obviously, we love it. You know, name this player that player. That's a team effort, and that starts yeah, with I mean, it was everybody.
1: Yeah, it was all hands on deck, and BT was always saying just don't let go of the rope. Everybody's got their hands on it, and it's kind of like those runs that you do as a team, where everyone's holding onto the rope up here, and you're running mm-hmm. up stairs or ramps or whatever it is. And he's saying, "Don't let go of the rope." Yep. Everyone's got to have a piece of it, awesome. and everyone's got to row in the same direction. I mean, we're all working for that one goal, and that one goal was Omaha, and of course, we did get there, but we would have liked to win it. So, I mean, that's yep. the next step.
0: That's a great actually question. So we'll close out. I got a couple of questions for you from some of our uh, booster club members that want to uh, just ask some specific things since you brought that up about a coach who sets the expectation. I mean, you know, it's cliche. Every coach says the expectation is to win a national championship, but there's something about, I remember that interview that coach Thompson did where he just looked at him and said, we're. Our national championship what are you talking about i mean like th- there was just something in his eyes that said oh this this dude means it it's not just coach speak so the question uh comes from dustin smith he says what is the mindset of a clubhouse when your coach comes out and says championship or bust however you'd like to answer that what does what that how do you process that
1: i mean anyone that's met coach thompson knows that he's one of the most genuine guys in this league and really in the country but when he says something like that, he means it and you have to believe it for yourself. So I think it was kind of a from a point of self-confidence and confidence in our team and what we had done at that point. I don't think he would have said that last fall when we all arrived on campus, but we had proven things to that point in the season where I think he was comfortable saying that because he had that much confidence to fight and our grit and how we were just going to get it done in whatever way we could find possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things that if you say it at the beginning of the season when you haven't proven anything, you haven't even played a game yet, you can't really believe someone that says that because they've got no evidence to support that claim. But when Coach Thompson is saying that after just winning a series at Texas A&M, a series at LSU, a series at home against Vanderbilt, a series at home against Alabama, sweeping South Carolina, things start to change where it's like, we are that team that can do this if we all believe it. And I think that's when he put it out there. It's like, we're starting to believe it around the clubhouse. We need the people around our program to start to believe it as well. And I think that's when the fan base really got into it. It's like, this team could very well be the last team standing at the end of the year. And I still think that would have been – I think any of those eight teams could have been if one or two things goes their way, you know. Mm -hmm. That's just how baseball works.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember uh, being at a very chilly, very early Rhode Island series and sitting in that stadium. It's easy for me to say it now in hindsight of everything that happened, but just standing there, freezing my butt off after the game had ended and just going like – there's something different here. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to call a national championship or anything like that. I'm not going to be that fan just because it feels special. But there was something, even in that very cold series, or at least that night it was, I think it was a Friday night one that I can remember specifically freezing my butt off with shorts for some reason, uh, that that we felt it as much as y'all did uh, how special this would be. So I got a last question for you from Corey, one of our listeners. And it's, it's hard to answer these questions, you know, because they are – Asking you to speculate way out in advance. Where do you see the Tigers going next season? Are we looking at Omaha again?
1: Uh, I think the first question we have to ask is, what new and old Tigers are we going to have? Um, you know, this team will never be together as one, right? Maybe ever again, just because of draft transfer, this that the other. So I mean we really took that into consideration. We're like, this is the last, this, this is the last time this team will ever be together as one. Like we need to make something special of it and all that. And we did go to Omaha. And next year's team really needs to kind of consider that they're not this past year's team. It's yeah. a completely different team, whether some people are back or not. It's not the same team. And it never will be. So you can't try to be that team. You got to put all this – I mean, I know it's fresh on our minds. We just went to Omaha. It's College World Series. But, I mean, you got to put it in the back seat for a sec and just realize that you need to be present in what we have now, Mm -hmm. what teammates, coaches, everything that will be there this year, and see where this team can go now and take it as far as it will go. Because if you keep trying to recreate – last year's team, last year's result, and we're not a result-based team throughout the whole year. And I'm, I know a lot of people have heard Coach Thompson talk about that. We're a process-based team. If you start thinking on the result of the team that happened last year and we need to get there and this, that, and the other, you're going to lose. You're not going to have success, and you're going to get too caught up in here that it's like, we're not where this team was at last year. Mm-hmm. Um, next year's team – is a completely different team. They could go a completely different direction and still have the same result. It's just what processes are they going to take to get there? So, I mean, as long as they focus on the processes and get to where they can be as a team as a whole, instead of just being, we need to be here, here, and here, if they can just be the best team they can be, as opposed to trying to strive for this or this or whoever, I think they could go pretty far. Um don't really know how far we need to see what kind of talent we have next year and what we're going up against I mean we're going to be going up against a, an LSU team that just transferred in about 30 people if it feels like and <laughs> <laughs> 10 different SEC starters two four stops <laughs> and anything you can think of but I mean yeah I mean it's it's going to be I mean it's Auburn baseball you know it's it's always there and it's coach Thompson and I know that him and the coaching staff and the players will figure it out because it's them. They, they do this for a living. And coach Thompson really knows how to turn a program around. And I could see him taking us to three world series and four tournaments, but I, I'm not going to put it out there and say that's going to happen. I I
0: get it. I get it. But,
1: uh, but I could easily see him doing that. Just knowing how good of a coach and a person he is. And how good of a coach and people that he is surrounded by and the support staff and just the guys that he brings in, I could easily see that being another possibility, you know, and we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm very confident in our coaches and staff's ability to just put a team together and get the best out of them,
0: you know. My goodness, you already sound like a coach in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> you it sounds like Butch might have rubbed off on you or Tim Oh or, yeah. I feel I, <laughs> I, I see
1: a lot of my personality in Butch in terms of the way he just answers questions about answering interviews and stuff like that, where it's like kind of beating around the bush, but also giving you an answer without giving you an answer and he's long-winded I'm long-winded and we could talk baseball for hours so I mean yeah
0: (laughs) well you have been very gracious to spend this much time with us talking about obviously your own personal experience but just sharing a little bit more about the team and I know I've said it a thousand times don't ever doubt how much uh, Auburn fans appreciate you personally for what you did to get us to this point where we're sitting back talking about an incredible run and obviously what your team members did alongside you uh, to get us to this special moment. So don't ever doubt that, man. You were, it was a fun ride and excited to see where your journey's head next.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. course.
0: uh, (laughs) War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you so much for listening today to ETC network with us, sitting down with Hayden Mullins to talk a little Auburn baseball. We look forward to his future and the future of Auburn baseball. Till we talk to you again, War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports-heavy, If it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.